0: Um, Father our world is really um, in turmoil and in light of that it's really it's really a pleasure to be here in this quiet restful place tonight and um, I just thank you for each person here tonight and uh, I do ask that you will bring peace to their hearts and to stir them as well in the ways that you are trying to speak to them and um, just pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be pleasing to you. In your name, Lord Jesus, amen. So if you have your Bibles, um, you can open them or your phone. You can open Bible app on your phone and we'll get started. I'm just going to first read the Beatitudes aloud. So we're going to turn to Matthew 5, Matthew 5 verses 1 through 11. We'll start there. So Matthew 5, verses 1 through 11. Now, when he saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those because of me so today's focus is verse seven blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy so i don't know if you're maybe like me maybe you can relate i hope so that'll make me feel better Um, but the place where i show the least amount of mercy is when i'm at a restaurant (laughs) i'm the least merciful person at a restaurant uh the scene kind of goes like this Um, my husband and i against our better judgment decide to take our kids to a restaurant right? Terrible idea. And usually we show up hangry, you know, like hungry and angry combined. We're already hangry when we get there. And then when we get there, the really sweet hostess is like, it's going to be about a 25 minute wait. And I'm like, oh, you know, and I'm, and in my head, I'm like, people eat so slow, you know, and I'm merciless. And then, so we wait and my kids are disaster. You know, they're climbing on everything and just, they're crazy and I'm mad and you know it's just already awful and then finally we get seated and our our server's really sweet and kind really overly sweet but um she forgets like to bring me a spoon you know because when I order soup or this is the one that always kills me she forgets to put lids on the kids drinks you know and I think it'll be fine and then they spill it everywhere and i'm just merciless to everyone right to my kids to the server to my husband it's horrible it's like why did we ever think that this was a good idea or my husband who hates mustard orders his burger and he says over and over again don't put mustard on it and then he gets a burger just slathered in mustard you know and i'm like this is the worst place and that tip in my mind is like descending so fast so i'm merciless i'm totally merciless at a restaurant and I end up sitting there thinking awful things like, I deserve to be treated better, right? You should be grateful I'm here. I'm paying you my hard-earned money. I'm really merciless. So <laughs> David asked me to talk today about mercy, and that's the first thing I thought of, was like how merciless I can be. And the truth is, though, when it comes to mercy, we don't really we don't really know how to show it unless we've experienced it, right? Unless we personally have experienced mercy, we really can't consistently show it. I know I can't. And in order to understand mercy, I really have to have kind of a sober view of myself, a sober view of of myself. So I want to point us to a really familiar story in scripture where jesus shows mercy and then in turn the people in the story are transformed because they are shown mercy so i'm going to ask um, again if you have your bibles to turn to john chapter 8 verses 1 through 11 and uh john chapter 8 verses 1 through 11 and i've asked buddy if he would read this one for us out loud Can I read it sure <laughs> yeah so but
1: jesus went to the mountain dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts, where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground, they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And he stooped down and wrote on the ground again. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left, with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? Not one, sir, she said, then neither do I condemn you. Go now and lead your
0: life of sin. Thanks, buddy. Perfect. So that's a story that we've probably all heard before. Notice how in that story, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law are merciless, right? They're merciless. They wanted to trap both Jesus and the woman caught in adultery. That was their mission. In fact, you could say they were dead set on showing no mercy. The text uses the word trap, and in verses 5 and 6 we see that they were trying to trap Jesus in the law, trying to make sure he didn't show mercy, and also trying to trap the woman in her sin. They had zero grace for anyone. They're trying to catch Jesus breaking the law and trying to catch the woman breaking the law as well. But in this passage, you'll see that Jesus isn't going to abide by the law of punishment. He does something radical here. Instead, he affords the woman mercy. And he does it by turning the attention off of her sin, right, and insinuating as to the depths of their own sin, right? There's this verse in the passage where Jesus bends down, and he writes something in the sand, right? I I did a little research on this, and scholars unanimously say they don't know what he wrote, right? It's unclear what he wrote. There's only great guesses at it. But we don't know. We don't actually know what he wrote. But we do know the result of his writing in the sand. What does it say in the text? That the teachers of the law and the Pharisees began to leave, right? They began to walk away. He says, if anyone, so he writes, and then they begin to walk away. And he says, if anyone here is without sin, let him be the first to throw the first stone. And, you know, it's interesting because as he's writing, he's writing in the sand this thing that catches all their hearts and convicts them. And it makes me think of King David in Psalm 51 when he says, my sin is ever before me sin is ever before me. You have to wonder if these Pharisees looked down in the sand and somehow saw their own sin before them, right? And they begin to leave. It says, at this point, those who heard began to walk away one at a time. The accusers could not bear the light shed on their sin. And this, everyone, is their hypocrisy. They could drag out a woman who had sinned in order to show her no mercy, right? But when Jesus silently and wordlessly draws their sin in the sand, they flee under the judgment. They are in complete bondage. They are unable to show mercy to others or themselves, and unable to take the judgment for their own sins. Then Jesus says to the woman, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? Right. And what does she say? She replies, no one, sir. Jesus says to her, then neither do I condemn you. In essence, he says that by the law that they used to trap you, you're not condemned. By that very law that they were using to trap you, you are not condemned. In other words, he's saying in light of who I am, right? You're free. I do not use the law as my basis to judge you so friends you probably know this already and but it bears repeating that this is the heart of this story this moment right when Jesus declares her free when Jesus says to the woman then neither do I condemn you the reason he gets to pronounce her free of judgment is because he will take on her judgment right that's why he's able to say you're free because he takes on her her punishment. So he says, then neither do I condemn you by that same law, because he's able to take on her punishment. Jesus is mercy personified. He is that actual quality personified. He doesn't just say it. He becomes it on the cross. He is the fulfillment of the law. Then he says, in light of this mercy I'm showing to you, He says this to her in light of this mercy go and sin no more right go and leave your life of sin this woman we don't know her name but this woman has been altered not because Jesus corrected her behavior right as I do with my kids stop it don't do that right he doesn't correct her behavior at all he simply says by the law that they judged you on I don't judge you you're free go and leave your life of sin. She's been altered because she was shown mercy when she should have received judgment, right? She is guilty. She was caught in adultery, but Jesus shows her mercy. Do you think this woman will go on now and show mercy to others? Absolutely. We can safely make the assumption that this woman will go on and will be altered by this moment right in her life that from this point on though she will make mistakes she will always refer to this moment when she was shown mercy and she will show others mercy again the only way we ever know how to show mercy is if we've been shown it In fact, I I kind of think that this woman might make her life statement after this point, the verse in James that says, mercy with an exclamation point, mercy triumphs over judgment. Probably that would be her life verse, right? After this encounter with Jesus. So mercy, I've thought about it ever since David asked me to speak today. And I just have been thinking about a few personal examples Um, In my life when I was shown mercy and you know many of you have read my book my little memoir And if you did you know that my and for those of you that haven't my dad worked for Billy Graham He was the director of Billy Graham's crusades. So we moved every year when I was a child and One of the years that we moved we lived in Scotland and it just so happened that I was 13 when we moved to Scotland like the worst age in anyone's life, you know and um in adolescence and we moved to scotland and i was just lost confused uh hormones were beginning to make everything difficult in life and um and that whole year in scotland i was just kind of a mess and i basically at the end of the year failed every class in school it was truly like you know my my british style report card came home and i had failed all the classes and my dad, who could have, who would have been justified in being like, Jess, this is a mess, you know, like, you're, you're a disaster, you know, like, geez, you know, he could have been justified in saying that. He didn't. He, I remember he, I was in his room on the bed, and he, we were looking at my report card, and he just put his arm on my shoulder, and he's like, this is a rough year, wasn't it? And I was like, yeah, you know, and he's like, how about when we moved to Philadelphia? We just, we just wipe the slate. We just forget this whole school year ever happened. It was totally mercy, right? I, I, I remember feeling like immediately buoyant, like just free, like I was floating. I was like, yeah. He's like, we'll just forget it. We'll just forget it ever happened. We'll just start over. And that's what we did. He never brought it up to me again. Never once did my parents mention my terrible grades again. I forgot it. It was mercy as an example of the a father's, father's mercy, right? And then um, just yesterday, another moment of mercy. My kids tend to teach me more about these things than I teach them. And uh, we were leaving the grocery store, and my son is six, and my daughter Iris is three, and my daughter Iris is, was throwing a fit on the way out of the grocery store. I don't even know what it was about, you know. It was like, I want this, da da, da. I want that in the car. I'm, no, Ace shouldn't get it. And I was really mad, you know, and I was like, cut it out, Iris. Stop it. And Ace, my six year old, goes, Mommy, being three is hard. <laughs> I was like, you're yeah, right. Mercy, right? Mercy. So the little children can teach us about these things. Mercy, it's what changes us, right? Only when we've experienced mercy will we be able to show it. But truthfully, you know, maybe mercy is a really hard word to wrap your head around because you didn't get mercy from your parents, right? Maybe you grew up with parents that a dad who didn't show you much mercy didn't show you much encouragement. Last week B and I were at a family camp in the Ozarks and this one woman was talking to me and she this this is what she said She literally said I have no idea how to encourage my children Because my mother never said a single kind encouraging word to me in my life That's what she said. She's like I have no idea How to show my children kindness like encouragement Right a lot of us come with really rough upbringings that make it really hard to capture these, these abstract terms like mercy in our hearts. The only thing we can do is go to the Word and get to know the Father through, through His Word. And um, I tend to be a short speaker, so I'm gonna, I'll, I'm gonna end here in just a few minutes. But when I, before I do, I wanna end with a quote you by um, the late Brennan Manning, maybe you've heard of him, really fabulous writer. Um, He was, if you've never heard of him, I really recommend his book, The Ragamuffin Gospel. And he was a recovered alcoholic who was well acquainted with mercy. And he said this in, um, he said this once, and I want to leave you with this before, I'll pray at the end. He says this, We make god into our own image and he winds up being as fussy and rude and narrow-minded and judgmental and legalistic and unloving and unforgiving as we are he says i've met christians all over this country and to be honest the god of so many christians i meet is too small for me because he's not the god of the word he's not the god who has revealed In and by Jesus Christ who comes to you at this very moment with a word for you he says I know your whole life story I know every skeleton in your closet every moment of sin your shame your dishonesty your degraded love that's darkened your past right now I know your shallow faith your feeble prayer life your inconsistent discipleship And my word to you is this i dare you to trust that i love you just as you are and not as you should be because none of us are as we should be the mercy of the father is what will change us from within would you pray with me father we are all exactly like that woman in the story from your word We are all caught in our sin, and you pronounce mercy over us. You are mercy in the flesh. You took on all of our punishment once and for all. So would you use this story to begin to untangle the knots in us that keep us from understanding mercy? Would you begin to show us your mercy and then in turn enable us to show mercy to others. We desperately want to show mercy. We just don't even know how. I pray that you would teach us and use us in your precious name, Jesus. Amen.